Welcome to the map. My name is Andy Bernstein. I'm, I'm doing the honors right now for our uh, co-host Kimberly Walsh. Uh, uh, we got a great show planned for today, and uh, we're going to meet our special guest, our friend Jerry Love. But before we get to Jerry, uh, I got to introduce my one co-host who's holding down the fort with me, Kristen Perry Long. I have no life, so you know. Well, you're being in the stuck mountains. at home. You're in the mountains. Yeah, I'm in the mountains. I decided to go to God's country today. I, on your resort, uh, at your resort. Yeah, my resort in the top of the mountains. It's a good. It's a good place. It's if good. That's where could. you belong, right yeah, at the, the top mountains. of the mountain. Um, so, I was going to say, how are you both today? But how are you? You doing all right? I'm all right. I'm all right. I learned of another close friend who. Uh, is compromised that has Corona and my heart goes out to the family. It's, it's heartbreaking. There she is. I'm sorry about that. That sucks. Yeah. It's hard. It's very, very hard. It's very hard. And uh, yeah, no bueno, no bueno. Hello, Kimberly. Hello, Hello my friends. How are you doing? Good. good. How, How are, are you? you? Good. Good. Um, ready for, ready for the I, show. Mm-hmm. I, all right. So, so I actually wanted to uh, share something with you guys. Um, so I went out of my house last night for the first time in two weeks. I'm not in Florida. I'm not at Raymond James stadium at Tampa, but I'm going to use this as a backdrop anyway. So I go out of the house for the first time in two weeks. I go to see my friend in Lexington and we produced a Facebook live zoom program. And it was about college hockey. And we did it at a bagel restaurant up there that was closed and um, for the night. But, you know, they're obviously open for pickup anyway. So it was incredibly surreal for me. And, uh, you know, on a good day, it would take what, two hours to get up to Lexington from from Mansfield, you know. Um, but I cruised right up. And uh, so we did. The, I had my two buddies came in um, and we did a two hour show. I wore my mask. Um I had my wipes by my side. Um, I put my friend Bernie in the back seat because I had to pick him up because he doesn't drive. So I was like, you got to get in the back seat. So now I feel like an Uber driver because um, I'm wearing a, a balaclava to keep my kid to keep, you know, as my mask because you can't find them. And, um, you know, we interviewed very cool people from college hockey and uh, it was great. Great. And for a moment in time, I felt very normal. Like, this is what I do. And, um, and so, but then the guilt set in, right? Then I got, you know, on my way home, no one was on the road. And then I get home and I kiss my wife. I give kisses to the dog. I switch on the news, which was a terrible idea. And, uh, you know, I'm starting to hear the death count and um, the infections from Rachel Maddow. And she says, no one is having fun right now. So now I'm really feeling guilty about this. And I felt uh, I put myself in harm's way. So I guess the moral to the story is, have either of you gone astray and done something out of the current shelter-in-place rules? And if you have, how did you feel about it? And do you feel like you're cheating on something or, you know, you're being, um, you know, you're doing something wrong? So I was just throwing it out there. Yeah. So funny. So I've still been doing a little bit of Instacart, not a lot. Um, just because people are going down and people are still being really reckless. And I have a house full of little children and I just, I'm not going to, you know, run that risk. Um, and I was in, I was driving yesterday and I was, it was raining and I hate to shop. But I, the mere fact that I can't shop was like, I just want to go to Kohl's and walk around, or I just want to go to TJ Maxx and walk around and you drive by and you see, you know, so I think the, I think it's definitely there. Um, I'm trying to respect, uh, you know, I keep getting these God shots about, I have to do what's right for me. I have to stay here and, Mm -hmm. and, and be available for people that don't have the luxuries. I have everything that I need yet. I still want more. 
you know? Yeah. You wanted that adventure. So you went out and then what happened? You felt guilty for it. Felt terrible. I felt terrible. And uh, on so many levels, um, drove driving home. I zoomed through. No, I zoomed through. Um, I went by the garden. I'm like, you know, they say Janet Jackson's coming May 7th. No, she's not. Or Dave Chappelle's coming May 7th at Mohegan Sun. No, he's not. Um, so, you know, it was like, it was very surreal, right? It was me on the road, you know, and, uh, and, uh, you know, and, but I got to see my buddies, no handshake. Um, you know, just like I bowed at them. Hello. And, uh, so, you know, so I just throw that out there cause you know, everybody wants to go and, um, you know, and, and, and resume normal, but, but it's not time. So what about you, my friend, Kimberly? Hi, 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 hi. Um, you know, I was thinking today, uh, <clears throat> I had a, kip, a trip I canceled at any rate. Um, my point is that I think <clears throat> we got, excuse me, there's so much, um, you know, we can either come from a place of love or a place of fear. I think there's, I think we have two choices, um, just in my opinion. And when we come from a place of fear, we see things like hoarding and, you know, people throwing their rubber gloves on the ground and, you know, all kinds of, um, of atrocities, you know. Yeah, that's blasphemy we, right now, throwing your gloves on the ground. Oh, it's, yeah, you should be put it's away. It's a sin. It's a yeah, sin. Absolutely. Yeah, um, You know, but when you I'm come serious, from a place but, of, of yeah. love. You know, you go, that's when you see even the government, let's, let's keep the stores open for the first hour. So the older people can get some food. You see people coming together. You see parades of people, you know, with older people in the nursing home who can't get out and they're giving them big parades. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you see everybody with their masks on. It's awesome. You know, there's an opportunity here. I I just want everyone to, you know, maybe for just for a minute, step outside of the fear and look at the opportunities that this pandemic presents to us on such an you know, on a universal level. I agree. I agree with you last night. We, so when we did the podcast, we had, um, one of the guys from ESPN, John Butchergrass was on the show (laughs) and he's somewhere in between Florida and Connecticut driving a car back for whatever reason from Florida. He's an anchor on ESPN, right? He's sitting there drinking whiskey in his hotel room on zoom. Right. And, uh-huh. <laughs> and we were like, this is kind of cool in a way that you're getting to see people in a very unplugged way. You're getting to see people, you know, you're getting to see news people, you're getting to see their, their kitchens and their, you know, all kinds of stuff. It's, it, it, it really brings humanity to life. I think that we're all into this together and that, you know, everybody's dealing with this in one form or another. And, uh, and I think that was the cool, that's really cool in some level. So, right. And I think to your point, Kim, how do how do you frame this up? Right. How are you framing it up so that you can make it palatable? Well, right. Right. Not just, not just make it palatable, but make it and take a work for you. And well, an opportunity to do something good, you know, step outside of yourself. See who, who, who you, who can you help? And from where think outside of the box, what can we do instead of gathering? What, you know, aside from zoom, because wow, that's, that's, you know, it's great. Believe me, it's great, but there's, I know there's more, I know there's something else like we can reach out to one another and, and feel connected. Yeah. I talk to people, I talk to people all the time and, uh, you know, my buddy Dave came up and, and Dave is, um, you know, he's in recovery. He's lives down in Plymouth. You guys met him. I'm like, Dave, we're doing a podcast. I knew he wanted to get out of his house, right? I know. So um, so he came up, right? Because I know those are good things for him to be out of isolation um, in some form or fashion. And I, I call in and I check on people all the time and, um, you know, and try to do that. But, you know, it's a, um, it's, a it's an interesting time for sure. Chris, what say you, my friend? Um. I think, you know, like Kim brings up a really good point. You know, we can focus on all the negative or we can focus on the positive. Um, You know, in a couple of weeks, my grandson turns one. It's just a birthday. 
but it's like, how cool would it be to have a little birthday parade and, and people see a baby smiling and happy and you know what I mean? Like a car parade, you know, I think that, I think that the next couple of weeks, um, as we watch New York's mixed messages that are being brought over, you know, like the hospital admits are going down, but the death rate is going up. That makes absolutely no sense. Do you know what I mean? When you really right. think about it, but um, you know, and they're not reporting the people that are recovering. Why aren't they reporting that number? That's my right. question. I agree. But on the same token, it's like, I have no control over any of that. And if right. I let that get into me, my mind, it's going to eat me alive. Mm-hmm. So instead, you know, focus, like you said, on the, the cool things that are happening. So this morning they had, um, a, a man that's been married for 60 years and his wife is in a nursing home and his son arranged for a bucket truck. He, this man went and visited his wife every single day since she's been in this nursing home and he hasn't been able to for obvious mm-hmm. reasons. So his son arranged for a bucket truck to go to her, to, to put him in a bucket, to lift him up to the window and just say hi. And that's mm-hmm. like, it, I'm like, I'm such a hoofa farfa because it brought are you what? What are you? <laughs> who isn't Uh, you know but it brought tears to my eyes you know because because it was so genuine and people just they want to be okay they want the world to be okay and i don't know i mean we we are entrusting a lot in our government and the people of power and honestly they don't even know what they're doing and i can't imagine to be in somebody like charlie baker's or marty walsh's shoes right now where People are dying. 5,000 people in Massachusetts. I think it is. is no, it's 1,000 or almost 2,000 people in Massachusetts have died. You know, right. and I can't imagine. Like, does he sleep at night? Probably not. Probably not. You know, uh, with the worry, with, with the frustrations, with the lack of ventilators, with the fear that we haven't even started to peak. Exactly. You, you know, and it's like, okay and that's his job and that's what he signed up for and of course not for this but again it's like focus on what you have control of and be okay with it right period yeah exactly Um, i agree so what you you mentioned that you're you uh canceled your trip can i what what what, can you share that i canceled my trip Uh, i had a yeah i had a trip planned um, I wanted to see my family, my, my family, they need, they need help. Um, I was going to go to Arizona. Um, and I, you know, weighed it, weighed the pros and cons. And I, you know, originally thought that if I was careful, you know, and wore the mask and the gloves and, and everything else that I could get there. And, um, and in retrospect, I kind of, and I prayed about it and, uh, realized that not a good idea. So I canceled it and, um, they're giving you a change of a changer, but you can change it for no cost. So, um, that's good. That helped my frugal mind. <laughs> Were you nervous about it? I was honestly on the, on the edge. I was, I was like, okay, one, one minute I'd go, you know what? I'll be fine. I've been, I've been quarantined for four, like five weeks now, six, maybe six weeks. I haven't gone anywhere. Um, so I know I'm good and they're all good because they've all been quarantined and it would be the matter of getting on the plane. So I'd have to like disinfect myself, take a shower, take my clothes off, blah, 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 take, wipe down the, you know, the suitcase. I'd have to do all that. And I figured, well, if I did that, it'd be okay. And then, so I was like, well, I don't know. And it, and it doesn't help when my, when Nancy, good old Nancy's on the other end going, you're fine. That's your mom. Just, yes, my mom. Sorry. Uh, she's on, you know, we need you to be here. And, and, you know, so I had a lot of feelings about that. And, uh, but, it's, but, but wait a minute, but what was, what was the one question that I said to you that absolutely changed your mind? That if anything happened to her, I would, and I, and it was because of me, I would be responsible. I'd never live with myself. I couldn't live with myself if I ever did that. So, right. and it, I guess it falls back down to that. So, um, yes, I actually stood up and said no to my mom. <laughs> it was a, it was a fateful day. It's but, just um, a day. It's a day. And you know, why are we going to trade a day for a lifetime? 
I know. No, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Um, yeah, it, it was it was difficult. There's a dynamic there that goes way beyond um, explanation here, but it was a difficult uh, decision. She's very need, convincing. You needed to, you need to connect. You probably want a connection, right? You. I'm dying over here. I'm so, I'm just, it's awful being alone. You know what I mean? At least if you've got someone else in your home, you can, you know, talk to them. You know, you've got a family there. You've got somebody. This is not, you know, it's not the case. So it's hard. Yeah. We're, we're waiting for a jury to, to dial in. So hopefully she'll be calling in in a second. Now, what do you guys think about, um, I'm hearing that they're actually doing free mental health during this time, um, for COVID. Um, how's that working? Chris, do you have any idea on it? Yeah. So, um, I think one of the things that people aren't talking about is, uh, that they're afraid to talk about is that like the suicide rate is eventually going to skyrocket sadly if we don't get in front of it so i think that there's a lot of people that are uh, activists for suicide and they see it coming and they see the isolation and they see the um the need right you know so they've become proactive and a lot of uh therapists have volunteered their time uh you know to do it um, just to, just to be out there. So there's like a telehealth, uh, dial in. There's also, uh, they're starting zoom meetings, like check-in zoom meetings. Um, they're just making themselves available for people that are suffering most, most, I mean, everything's depression and, um, anxiety. Uh, and you know, I mean, fear and anxiety are cousins, uh, you know, they, um, they are they, cousins. Yeah. And, they're cousins. And then, and then if you compound that with losing, losing a job, yeah, losing, losing your, your, your income, maybe being, you know, um, domestic, domestic violence, I'll share a quick story. So my sister's losing it right now. She will, she is absolutely losing it. Um, and why is she losing it? Because um, my nephew has Asperger's and he's spoiled, somewhat entitled. Um, and he's 24, doesn't get along with his brother. Brother's at home right now from Maryland and um, they're fighting like cats and dogs. My, my sister actually called the police yesterday because they're, they're at each other's throats. Um, police came, my nephew wants to press charges. I'm like, is anybody coming out with like a t-shirt, a tank top on or no shirt on, you know, like I'm making fun of this right now, like it's on cops, but I got to imagine a lot of people up there. She is. Finish your story. Hi Uh, everyone. uh, Hi. Uh, But I got to imagine, um, but I got to imagine that, um, so many people must be going through this at home whatever their relationship is, you know, it's kind of magnified, magnified, good or bad. Would you, would you agree? Absolutely. You know, it's funny. So I have me, my husband, my oldest daughter and her three kids, 11, nine and one. And our moods are like a heartbeat up, and down and up and down and up right. and down. And sometimes I feel like there's a million eggshells and everybody's walking on eggshells. And other times we are so like gelled and good. We're never all, somebody's always off. Sometimes it's, you know, everybody's off or one's off and the rest are good. And you, we kind of pull that person back out. And then the other big thing is the weather. The weather is playing. If it's raining for three or four days, man, you're ready to kill somebody in your house. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, you can't get that. Step outside and, and take a deep breath and enjoy what's out there. So, yeah. What do you, what do you think? I agree. Um, there's 
those types, you have to be able to ground yourself. There's, you know, several things you can do too for that. But again, getting back to the positivity, it's all what, it's all what you make of it. It's, it's all how you deal with it. It's how you um, define it in your mind. Thoughts create feelings. Let's, you know, get to the root of it and, and make your, and turn your thoughts. Believe me, I'm learning how to do that quickly. <laughs> Stay sane. My, it's funny, my diet has gone out the window. I started Noom at the first of the year, right? Noom, Zoom. Did you like it? <laughs> I love Noom, right? I'm losing. Um, I'm doing well. Life yeah. is life is good. I'm feeling good about myself. And then this thing starts, and I'm like, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I what can't go to do? stores, <laughs> right? I can't go to stores. Um, I don't want, you know. What, you're that. still buying stuff. I, I buying know it. you. I am buying stuff. <laughs> I, I, right. I am buying stuff, but I'm buying technology stuff. You wouldn't believe finding a webcam right now. Forget it. Mm. Forget it. You can use it by your phone, though. You can. Uh, there's an app to, to make it so you can actually use it for your phone. But um, I don't know it, where Jory went. Is she? She's, she's there. She's just muted. There. She's just muted. Can we bring her in? Hello. There she is. Don't stay with us, Jerry. <laughs> Hi. 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 All right. Chris. Yes. You want to welcome Jerry to our show? Yes. Hold on for one second. All right. Jerry Love, AKA Goddess of Connection. Jury is a musician, a model, an actor, and a survivor of, of abuse and homelessness, motivational speaker, uh, and a freelance reporter, reporter for the Foxboro Reporter. She practices Reiki. She is a life coach, uh, a, Rotar a Rotarian, and a host around Foxboro on this very station. Jury is a scholarship recipient of Berklee College of Music. Um, and has toured nationally, nationally, performed, recorded, and produced many albums. She is a single mother and has two children, Jaden and Jayla. Welcome, Jury. Uh, we're very glad you're with us today, um, and we would love for you to share with us your journey and why you're here. Hi, everyone. Hi. Hi. Thank you. First of all, I just wanted to... Uh, say thank you for having me and then um i hope you can see me i'm in my kitchen i'm trying to prepare some sandwich for yep. <laughs> what are we having what are we having <laughs> uh i'm trying to have like ham and cheese sandwich for my kids Very um, nice. but anyways um i just wanted to uh thank you for doing this and then i had a privilege of writing about the map for the fox reporter our privilege that you did that for us you've been a great supporter of what we've been doing so thank you yes uh yeah of course and then uh you've had some of my friends as a guest paul kendarian yosef israel and then uh brian mcdonald so sadie we, oh sadie too oh great wonderful yeah yeah oh, you're <laughs> awesome yeah. yeah but i think uh what you're doing is very important because a lot of people are afraid to talk about um, the topics um, of mental health and addiction. And it, it's such a vulnerable topic that I feel um, there, there is not so much platform to be able to speak out to um, general public. Maybe right. you can talk to your you know, friends or you know, people you can trust or maybe counselor. But in this kind of public forum, um, I think it's like for uh, as a guest, it's you know I'm kind of used to talk about like myself, but some people who are stigma, like you know, it's very difficult to open up in public right. setting. So what you are doing is really opening up to a lot of audience who you might never know, maybe internationally, nationally. That I think you guys are doing such amazing job to shed a light to some issues that otherwise wouldn't be shed a light. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, uh, you know, when reading a lot about your story, it sounds like you've had um, quite a journey and would love to hear kind of the things you do. I mean, you're, you're, you're a, uh, a woman about town with doing so many different things. 
love to learn more about, you know, um, you know, kind of what makes you, you. Okay. Um, so Chris, thank you so much for reading my bio. Um, so I think my bio says it all, like I do a lot of different things, but, um, I think just to go straight to the point about mental health and then addiction, I, I don't have any substance abuse, but I do have some issues, which I will talk about it a little bit later. But um, before that, like um, Chris mentioned that I'm a survivor of um, child sex abuse and then it's from, it, was my, from, it was from my father. And then it's been such a battle for me. And then um, I suffer with PTSD. I'm 43. That happened like three decades ago. Between age of 8 to 13, I was heavily um, abused uh, physically, mentally, um, verbally, and sexually. And then those combinations are hell as a child, and especially when the perpetrator is your father, where you cannot escape anywhere. Um, it's such a um, trap then, you know, if you're maybe with boyfriend and then your boyfriend or maybe spouse is abusive and as an adult, like, you know, it's as shaming as it is, you can maybe reach out to your friend or have a car and then go somewhere. But as a child, it's just a trap. One time I remember that um, he was like, my father was just so pissed off and I was just getting heavily physically abused. And then when he took a break, I just got my shoes on. I just like ran and to my friend's house. But as a child, you know, as a parent, you know whose best friend is, who, who, who the friends live, like where. So he chased me by car and I'm still traumatized by the sound of the car. Um, and then he caught me. So like, you know, I actually went to another friend's house and he kind of broke into house and then he still tried to punch me and stuff. So it was just like constant of escaping from him, trying to mm -hmm. escape from him or go to train station. I went to train station, but he was just trying to chase me. So there was really no other, very slim chance from escaping. Jerry, yes. where yes. Was, was this? Where, Japan. Where was this happening? Were you in oh, the Japan. States? Or no, were no, you Japan. I was in Japan. And it was, you know, obviously 80s and then nobody talked about, you know, child sex abuse and PTSD and all the advocacy. Like, you know, just want to shout out to Norfolk, Norfolk Advocates for Children in Foxborough that they do such an amazing job of advocating for children like myself. Um, I wish I met them when I was a child so that I would have a proper protection and advocacy. But um, a lot of child sex abuse cases, like, you know, especially in Japan, like, you know, you know, Me Too movement. But I think in 2019, like, you know, I think, uh, like, finally, like, some people started to talk about um, the experience of child sex abuse. Um, when uh, I think some celebrities started to talk about it. And then it's like, so behind like you know compared to america where you guys have or we have here a lot of like you know well me too movement was you know i think it changed a lot but um child sex abuse and the mental health from it is not talked about in japan i was going to ask that yeah yeah and counseling itself is like considered a shame like you know so for instance if you go to work and if somebody finds out that you are going to counseling, like people would think that you are like crazy or something, you might lose job. But I think here in this country, um, it's very powerful. I remember when Tim Robbins, Robinson, Tim Robinson, the actor. Yeah, Tim Robbins. Yeah, Tim Robbins. Um, when he won Academy Award, no, sorry, Oscar, right? He, when he won, um, it was Mystic River, and his character was sexually abused um, as a child. Mm -hmm. And then right. I remember right. that year I just started doing counseling and I was like feeling really ashamed about mm -hmm. going to counseling because of the bias or stigma that I had. I was brainwashed 
like in Japan. And then I think、um, he said, if you are going through the mental health or like abuse, going to see a counselor is the strongest thing you can do. That's、mm-hmm. what he said during his winning speech. And it was just so touching, so moving,、mm-hmm. so empowering. And I still like vividly remember that. And then、um, my friend Yosef Israel,、um, he helped me. Lovely guy. We had him on our show, right? Yeah. Thanks to you. Yeah, thank you.、Um, so he had generously introduced me to his publisher, Booklogics in Georgia. So I've been working on my book called、um, A Gift from Adversity. Title may change, but、um, I've been working on my book about my life. And then I talked specifically about that speech. And then I talked about、um, the story that I said.、Um, so maybe within a month or two,、uh, my book should be published.、Um, So, Congratulations. Oh, thank you. So it'll be about maybe 185 pages, but all I talk about, talk about in my book is just my life and then PTSD. And then, to be honest with you,、um, when I was writing a, part, a chapter about me getting、uh, sexually abused my, by my father, I was typing and I was shaking and I was like crying. I was just reliving my moment.、Um, but I think it's going to be powerful.、Um, I think so worth sharing the story because where I am right now, as Chris mentioned on my bio, that I had adversity, but I have triumph and I have accomplishment. And then now I'm 43, single mom. Right now, during the pandemic, I'm doing Uber Eats, like you know, whatever it takes to pay bills, whatever it takes. And I was also homeless when I was 18. So it added a lot of, like, you know, Mental issues and trauma. And I was actually just talking to my counselor yesterday because I was very,、um, I was almost like, I just really wanted to give up my life, like maybe two months ago.、It、was really, really hard. And then、uh, I told my PCP, and he said I should see a counselor. And my counselor yesterday was telling me two sessions,、uh, like、a session ago, he was mentioning that I should see a psychiatrist and then do evaluation. I might have bipolar. So, yesterday I was telling him, you know what? I just got a publishing deal and I just have a friend who's interested in distributing my album. He has a label from like Sony, and then I'm a reporter. I do a TV show. I just got a volunteer over here, a word from Fox OK w o Access. Shout out to Fox OK w o Access. It's a great <laughs> so, Michael Weber. <laughs> yes, thank you, Michael and Paul Beck.、Um, and I do a lot of things, and I just、um, film short film. I just produced short film by Paul Kandarian. And Brian McDonald.、Yep. Yes. And then I just wrote music. And then、um, I'm involved with a film director. And then I just、um, produced a, some comedy show, like a web series in New York. And my, I got my first IMDb credit as a producer. So, like, you know, I just feel、um, all the things are coming together, manifesting. And then I feel all the visions and dreams that I had since I was a child, despite the adversity, is coming together. So, I told my counselor yesterday, you know what? It's very, it's like, it's really stressing me out. When you mentioned that I have to see a psychiatrist to do the evaluation, whether I have bipolar, a really big、yes. trauma, PTSD. And you know, I said, you know, I really don't think I need an evaluation. I you really know why they think, do that? Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. Not I, I, was, I really not- think、um, he mentioned about medication. He mentioned about if I have bipolar. And he thinks it's great.、Uh, I think it's worth evaluating you, it's worth、um, diag- having a Correct diagnosis. And I told him, like, you know what? It was an adjustment when my ex husband left me, but it took me almost it's, in July, it's, it's going to be a year. It took me a village, a community support. So many people supported me. And then I don't think I'm relieving the trauma per se, but I'm adjusting to the new situation as a single mom. So I don't think I need diagnosis. And then I, I was very proud. I was. Kind of empowered by what I said to him, what I said to my counselor, that I don't need this evaluation. I think I'm okay. I like talking to you. I would like to、um, have outlet、right. as、um, you're one of your c l i e n t but I don't think I need like 
four hours of evaluation and then maybe getting medicated, I think I'm fine. And then it was kind of an empowering moment. And he honored that. He said, it's not a must. I said, is, is, there, is that a must? Like, you know, is it a mandatory that I would be diagnosed as like such a thing? I just don't want to be labeled. I just don't want this kind of like whatever diagnosis that you think I am, but I know who I am and I know what I'm doing and I it was just adjustment period and I just got depressed and can I, I think you, I'm okay. Can, yeah. Can I ask sorry. You a question? No, that's yeah, okay. Of I think one of the reasons, cause I take on a lot of projects too. I have a ton of things that I get involved in and I'm wondering if, you know, they're so hyper tuned to, you know, in the, in the medical, uh, in the psychiatric field, that they see that you have all these different projects. I'm wondering if they think, oh, well, maybe you're being impulsive and you're taking on way too many things and that um, your mood gets elevated. I don't know if that is something that they kind of brought up with you, but it sounds like, you know, because when I go to therapy, Mine says to me, oh, well, you got to be careful. You're taking on too many projects. I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but, um, you know, that was, you know, when, when you're saying this, I didn't know if they, if that was one of the reasons why they said you had bipolar. I think that what happens is sometimes, you know, so when I was, when I had all my babies, five babies, uh, all running around, um, I was overwhelmed and anxiety and everything else. And it was a really quick fix for my therapist to get me diagnosed with a quick label, right? Right. To get me diagnosed and get me on something, you know? So I was put on Zoloft because I was to the point where like I have five kids and they were all running around. My husband would travel. Um, I would be doing it a lot of the time by myself. And like, I, I would be to the point where like, we would be out and six blocks down the road, you could see a truck that wasn't even coming towards you. But in my brain, it was like, oh my God, the truck is going to lose its brakes and it's going to come and plow me. That's how my brain was working. Mm -hmm. And so they gave me the Zoloft to quiet my brain. Well, I did that for a few years and then I started to feel numb. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, like numb. I never dealt with the anxiety. I never dealt with how to self-control, how to fix myself. I just took a pill and it went away. So I think, you know, Jerry, you've already lived all your trauma. You've already dealt with all your trauma. Yes, we all relive sometimes and PTSD is definitely a real thing, but recognizing and knowing that it's in your past you know, and that you're okay and that you survived it and you're so much stronger than you ever thought you could be instead of just taking something. And I mean, there are people that need it and and I'm not knocking meds, but you advocated for yourself. Like you said, hold on here. I've already been through probably more than most people have been through it in a lifetime. And now you want to medicate me? No way. Like you're so much stronger. Civilian PTSD, and if for people out there, because you know you hear it a lot with veterans, but PTSD, just post traumatic stress disorder, um, for people who may not know, um, it can be part for civilians can get PTSD. Jury, can you tell us a little bit more about the PTSD side of it? Kind of what 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 that means to you. Yes. Um, so before the PTSD issues, um, Andy, to answer your question, the reason why my counselor recommended that I should see uh, the psychiatrist to get evaluation uh, was because I have a huge um, issue with the sexuality. And then I have, um, can you hear us? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I have a, I have an issue about um, the sexuality, and then um, I mentioned to him um, this is my second time that I went really crazy, like sleeping around. Um, my I have um, basically my first marriage was seven years, and my second marriage was um, ten years, and then you know obviously I was in a committed relationship, but then after my first um, 
divorce, which I talked about in my um, book. Um, I slept maybe like with 11 people in like three months, model of like two, three months. And then um, this time I slept around maybe six um, within like two, three months. And then when I mentioned that to him, like, what's the word? Premiscuity? What's promiscuous? Promiscuous. Yes. Promiscuous. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So he said um, that high, like, no, it's almost like a drug, but um, not so much people talk about, you know, sexual sex addiction or like the thrill of it. But um, I don't do substance. I don't drink alcohol. I don't do like any drugs. But I, when I get so scared, when I'm like so, 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 so um, feared because of child sex abuse, fear and sex is the same thing to me. Sex is never a secret and sex is never um, something that I look for. It's almost like a chore. And then it's almost like something that I was violated, no control over. So when I'm on the door and then when I'm in a situation that I get scared, I just feel like, oh my gosh, I have to sleep with somebody. I have to have sex with somebody. And then I have to just like go out and then, um, you know, have Jury, control over. It's almost like a comfort, right? It's something that you were comfortable with, something known. So we kind of go back to stuff that we know, feelings that we're, that we're comfortable with, right? Even though they're, we shouldn't and we don't want to, it's kind of what kind of what we do it's like an automatic thing right no 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 it's not like that it's it's almost like okay I was sexually heavily abused by my father when I didn't even know what sex was right and to me to gain a control over it again is corrective experience and then corrective experience boosts your self-esteem which I learned from the counseling. By the way, before mm-hmm. this counselor, I did six years of counseling about my PTSD. I did EMDR. Um, mm-hmm. So I've done ton of ton of counseling, so I know what's going on in my brain. But at the same time, when emergency situation like that happens, and I just feel that I have to gain control over what I lost, what I got violated. So it's a thrill, like when you meet somebody and then you know have sex. That's just like the fear conquering my fear and then it's almost like you know I need to like at some point like you know when my ex-husband took kids I just have to find somebody to like have sex with and then it's just like a drive so that's why my counselor mentioned that I might be a bipolar because it was like maybe two three months of period and then it's like a high so he's like maybe you might have a bipolar and I said I don't know if it's a bipolar. I think it's just I was sexually abused by my childhood. Then I'm trying to like gain a control over what I lost. And I was talking to some um, victim of rape, and she mentioned similar thing to gain control over and then have the sex with certain people. And it's just numb. Like you know, to us as a survivor of sex abuse, sometimes sex is chore and numb and not some people talk about this and that's why i'm grateful for this opportunity because um that's really the main point i wanted to bring it up and go back to ptsd like i never knew that word until i came to america like when i was 21 and then um basically i was just um in the counseling and My counselor mentioned that I have PTSD, which I learned that time. So I want to pause right here. I know I, I said a lot of things. No, I mean, I guess, I guess one of the questions is, you know, with your new, with your book and with your story, what are, what are you, what are you hoping that you can do for other people, other women, or uh, is there something you're trying to convey? sorry can you please repeat it again uh, with the with the other women you know with other women out there or other people is there some you know are there some key messages that you're trying to convey with your book or whatever do or do you find it more healing for yourself or both oh okay yeah sure so um it's interesting question because um 
my publisher, when I had an uh, initial conversation, which I was very excited about, um, she asked me, so what do you want to do with your published book? Okay. So I said, I have a clear vision. I want to be a part of Me Too movement. And I want to have a peer pressure, as much peer pressure as possible to the perpetrator. And then I want to prevent the child sex abuse. I want to be advocate. I want to do motivational speech. I want to pull with my book. And I really want to be a testimony for people who have PTSD, how to overcome it without like you know, getting into the negative path. And then just, you know, power through, like, you know, the adversity. So that's really my message uh, for my book. And I hope people will appreciate it. So going, going back to that for a second, because I had a lot of questions for you. Um, so with all the interests that you have, right, because you do so many different things, what are some of the real, um, what are the things that you really enjoy doing? Because you do so many different things. What um, do you get the most satisfaction from? I must say creating music, producing, create, being creative. And then um, music is my um, savior. Um, I've been playing piano since three. And then I went to Berkeley College of Music. And then, uh, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that. I think I use music sometimes as my therapy. Um, I didn't go with music therapy major, but... Um, I wrote this song uh, called Realization, and then my producer from New Jersey, shout out to Etop, um, he arranged it as like a reggae style. And then I have a hip hop artist I'm working with in Atlanta, Georgia, King Marino. Shout out to King Marino. Um, so this song is called Realization, and it, it's it's about sexual sex abuse and then sex addiction, and it's about me realizing that I was lost, I was broken. And then the lyrics is, it hit me, it hit me, it hit me today. The realization that I was broken. Where would you, if somebody wants to reach out to you or they want to um, get a copy of your book, where can they connect with you? Um, Maybe you can have me on the guest again. And then maybe I have an actual book with me. Okay. (laughs) Uh, But um, it should be on book. Maybe um, BookLogic's website, Amazon, obviously. Um, my website, I have my website, JuryLove, J-U-R-I-Love, JuryLove.com. Okay. Um, so it should be available on my website, maybe within hopefully two, three months. And also I'm releasing a song called Sing Your Life, which I dedicated to victim of tsunami. But um, it's been a long time making, but I just um, got like a music video I've been working on for two years. And it should be released all over the world. Um, so I'm very excited about that. Awesome. That's amazing. Jerry, just wanted to say um, on behalf of all of us that your story is absolutely amazing. And thank you for sharing it with us. I know it's sometimes difficult, but I think you're doing a really a good thing for people who need to hear it. And I um, just wanted to give you a props for being able to express that and doing all the things that you're doing to help other people. Really do appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And Chris? Yeah, I'm like, got to dive a little deeper. I want to hear more. Uh, you know, I want to watch your progress. I want to see how you continue to flourish and help other people because your story is very empowering. It's, and, it's, it's yeah. awesome. Good stuff. Um, we will have you back on. Absolutely. And yeah. And then I just want to mention the other thing that I have absolute joy of is um, when I was 26, I decided to, um, start a nonprofit organization called Genuine Voices. And um, I remember vividly, um, so the organization basically was 501c3, which I'm very proud, but I ran it as a president and founder for 12 years from between age 20, since 26. And then uh, this, is, this was um, a senior project that I had at Berkeley. And then I really want to thank Berkeley College of Music, Lee Bark, Dave Mash, uh, Boys and Girls Club in Dorchester, which the program I started is still running as of today and then it grew from like four no six no no four student to 600 students with um hundred thousand dollars like no donation with 60,000 recording studio um and then I was we were teaching at risk youth music music production 
hip hop. Um, but not only at the Boys and Girls Club, we were teaching in the juvenile detention centers. So we were teaching music to Blood and Crips, heavy gang members. And then uh, we had an amazing team of people. I think I've hired two, 300 volunteers and interns from all over America. I even had like a social media intern from Paris. Um, it was just like um, amazing. And then I just want to shout out to Lenny Zekampan for helping us um, the project. And then uh, I just also want to say thank you to Boston Celtics and New England Patriots for giving me an award. Um, I got an award called Heroes Among Us, and I'm actually in my kitchen. I have this trophy with me. Making a ham, ham and cheese sandwich. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Okay. That's awesome. I Unbelievable. Finished, I will finish the ham and cheese sandwich. It's done. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, um, so what I wanted to tell you is there's really one tangible story that I want to sh- share with you. That There was a moment that... Um, in the detention program, um, basically there was some argument almost getting to a riot situation that there were two, three boys arguing over something. And then my fear is that I, when I have confrontation situation, it's very difficult for me to confront men. Mm-hmm. Conflict is really hard for me. Uh, I'm getting better, but because when I talked back to my father he pounded my head to the desk he kicked me to the wall until i couldn't breathe and i had to run from him when he took a break from the physical abuse so to me it's a huge trauma and my counselor knew that i had six years of counseling amanda sloan thank you amanda um so I was talking to Amanda about the situation where I was actually able to intervene the argument between the juvenile offenders. And it was scary. But at the same time, I said, guys, you shouldn't do that. It's going to get bigger. Stop right there and let's talk about it. And I was able to intervene calmly. And that was such a powerful moment for me. Um, you think about PTSD, how it triggers, and then how you get a like, blackout and then can't focus, blah, blah, blah. When I told my counselor about this, she was literally jumping up and down on her chair. And then I didn't know why she was so excited about that small incident, I thought. But she thought that was just overcoming the fear. And then, you know, it was just such an amazing moment. And also, she told me, helping um, at risk youth and seeing them become sweet it's almost like seeing I cannot fix my dad but it's almost seeing a perpetrator potential perpetrator of the abuse like you know, being corrected to a positive path and I've done mm-hmm. that so many times so she used this word as I mentioned earlier corrective experience so corrective experience is something that you lost before from the trauma that you have a new experience to rewrite your story, right? Mm-hmm. So um, she was very excited. And then also she was very proud of me of helping this vulnerable population, which not so many people reach out to. And um, I think that was, she said one time, Julie, that's the best medicine that you can take. So I would really pride myself of helping other people in the situation. I, I remember at one point this kid... Um, who was in and out um, in juvie and since 13, selling drugs. And then I took him to, our team actually took him to Rockport and doing sea kayaking. And then he was 18 and he had never seen ocean until he's 18, until I took him, we took him. And we did sea kayaking. He says, thank you very much, Jerry. This is so beautiful. I've never seen ocean in my life. I'm like, dude, you are you live like 20 minutes away from ocean. So, but anyways, um, it was very empowering. One point we were performing in Boston. I invited him to some performance opportunity uh, to do the hip hop, like his original song. And it poured rain and we went, we kind of escaped to Starbucks from the rain. And then you know, I was talking to him and, you know, when you have such a trauma as a child, you don't trust people, you don't trust adults. And then, you know, I started to just talk to him and then he said, you know what? I can't say the name. You know what? Blah, blah, blah. Like the boy's name. You know, I was homeless and I was, I went, I went through this trauma and then he's like, 
oh, so you went some, you went through some shit. So I'm like, yeah, I went, I went through some shit. And then it was a moment in the corner of Starbucks during the rain that I felt so engaged with him, so connected to, with him. And it was such a bonding moment. And then it, it's almost like smell, like, you know, you can smell the diversity. Like, you know, mm-hmm. so I said, I'm not just helping you. I lived with it. And I know that you went through some adversity, but that doesn't mean that you can just, you know, get lost. You have your own life. You don't have to do the same circle of what you experience. You can rewrite your story. Story, can you give the, for people out there who are suffering with sexual abuse, um, who want to get help, can you recommend a place? Such as? That, that can help with counseling and support? Um, are you talking about some nonprofit? Are you talking about? Yeah, like, uh, like, individual help. Yeah, resources, places that you know where people can can kind of plug in. Okay, so my best experience is um, EMDR. Um, you guys know EMDR to so help with yeah. trauma. So I think that was the best therapy I've had. I had DBT, directive behavioral therapy, mm-hmm. and I had talking counseling, obviously. But the EMDR was so powerful. So I would Google EMDR certified counselor in your area. Uh, EMDR stands for eye movement resensitizing reprocessing. Um, so Dr. Shapiro in the 80s discovered the PT, uh, EMDR by treating the Vietnam veterans. And then um, it's no invasive, no medication. He followed light left and right. And then to create the REM sleeping, um, when you're sleeping in a REM stage that your eye move rapidly left, left and right. But then it cleanses um, the trauma that you had occurred in that day. But it's in, when you're awake, when you're conscious, you do that by stimulating um, your brain um, equal amount of timing, like left and right, and also like you know, the buzz. My counselor actually used the light at one point, but she mainly used the buzz, like left, right, left, light, like, you know, just like buzz, buzz, buzz. Mm-hmm. So in like five minutes or so, she asked me what's the, um, what is the worst moment of your trauma? So I thought about you know, me getting sexually abused by my father. And I, you know, after the five minutes of stimulation, um, she asked me, so what did you see? So the point of EMDR is, so when the trauma is stored in the primitive part of the brain, the limbic, and then um, when it gets fired up by stimulation of like, you know, similar say, you know, to me, like when, when a man's yelling at me, it just, I just lose it. I just can't focus. And then what happens is in the brain that my counselor told me is when you take a temperature of the brain, your uh, core part of the brain with the primitive part of the brain, like around like neck like the core part of brain like um animalistic part gets like fired up and it gets so red and then cognitive part is gets black so for instance like you know when you when your car is on fire you don't think about oh i have to get my iphone i have to get like my wallet you don't think about that it's a fight or flight and then you just like you know zap out from the car without thinking about it and that's just like defensive mechanism of your brain so the emdr kind of um the purpose of emdr is to bring that trauma from the core of the brain to the cognitive part of the brain when when you are awake using this technique of like you know manipulation of REM sleeping and then um at the end of the uh, stimulation counselor asked so what did you see so i told her what i saw and then it's really the purpose of digesting seeing the trauma objectively so that you don't get these kind of reactions to it and i so recommend anybody who's suffering with ptsd whether from the sex abuse or you know, death or like any kind of trauma that you experienced and then really having severe PTSD. Um, EMDR is, again, no medicine. You just follow the light or get the stimulation. But you have to see the EMDR certified counselor. So I would Google EMDR certified counselor around your area. And I've done that with other friends who have, who are suffering the PTSD. I recommend it. I even researched in that person's area and I was able to find somebody. So we've yeah, done that. It's great. Good stuff. EMDR is really helpful. I found it very helpful too. Have you? Yeah, absolutely. Did you follow I loved light? it? Did you follow I did. Yeah, I did. We can put that on our uh on our Facebook page, EMDR. Um we could also put it up on um hopefully um yeah, we'll put it up on our Facebook page. Jury, thank you. 
You're welcome. Thank Thanks you. so much. That's awesome. Yeah. Great story. Great. Yeah. Thank you and so then, much. We'll have you back. We Thank will you. definitely. And, and I also wanted to mention a darkness to light training was very helpful. Um, as like FCA volunteer, I was um, asked to do the darkness to light training. So it's oh, maybe you can put the website of darkness to light training. So that's, done, by, that's done here in Foxborough. Yeah. So darkness to light training, I um, did it myself. I think I paid $25. That darkness to light training was so empowering to me. Because it, it, one thing that talked about is um, a girl talking about, oh, as a parent, it's important to um, educate the, you know, genitorial area as it is, like, you know, penis or vagina, because there was a case of a girl who was getting orally, like, um, like, you know, molested, like, sexually abused. And then she said, my dad ate my cookie because he was telling that vagina as cookie so that people couldn't dictate the prevent the sexual abuse so that's kind of part of the darkness to light training that i was like very empowered that you know i have three years old and nine years old and open conversation as a parent is really important i was involved with uh foxborough rotary club shout out to foxborough rotary we do so such a great work we had a human trafficking summit back in april last year um and then I talked to my son about these issues and I talked to my son about child sex abuse because that is the age like between 8 to 13. Some parents disagree with me, oh that's too much information. No, it's not too much information. It's a reality and it's kids who are getting you know, sexually you know, trafficked or like, you know, abused when kids don't know what adults are doing to you. Like my kids, I wish somebody told me that my father was doing something wrong, but nobody told me that. So I think education is important as a parent. And then well, as an adult, like, you know, I think darkness to light training is, was very empowering, very educational. And then I really highly recommend, especially if somebody is working with kids, youth, uh, but not only that, as a parent, I think it was very empowering experience too. So I highly recommend EMBR and Darkness to Light. Great suggestions. Thank Great you. suggestions. Again, Jerry, thank you so much for being on our show. That's uh, that's our show for the day. Thank you to Michael Weber and obviously Kristen Perry Long and Andy Bernstein. Um, and we will see you next time. I'm Kimberly Walsh. We'll see you next time on the map. Bye guys. Bye everybody. Bye. 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 Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Happy Easter.